This is The Essential Guide to Surviving Humanity with Michelle Frost and Gareth Wax. Today we're looking at the topic of relationships. That's going to be an interesting one. I'm excited to talk about this. I once was uh, going out with a girl who was so scared of calling it a relationship, she had to invent a new word for it. She called it a spaceship. You know, I quite like that because that (laughs) sort of suggests that you're giving each other space, which is a huge one for me. In the words of Howard Jones, what is la... No, I'm not going to do that. Um, no idea what it is. I have always struggled in trying to define it. As a person who likes everything to be empirical, likes to know what something is and what something isn't. Can it be measured? No, I don't think it can. So when you say, uh, I love you with all my heart, I love you from the bottom of my heart, I give you all my love, that suggests to me that you could section it off. To you, I'm giving 3% love. To you, I'm giving 80% love. The rest is going to be for you over there. I don't think you can do that. I know that in my relationships, there were times where I felt that I'd fallen so heavily in like with someone. But I didn't want to spend all the time with them. I didn't want to share everything with them. I just like being around them a lot. Strange expression, isn't it? Falling in love. What does that even mean? Uh, I think it's the common confusion. When you get that feeling in your stomach, when it's churning, when you're thinking you've got no control or less control over your actions, that you feel compelled to do something, there are four reasons that can be. One, indigestion. Two, you've found someone and you really want to jump their bones. Gareth. It's a driver. And I tell you what, when people are in that mode, they make rash decisions. Three, They're driven by pecuniary advancement. They want to make some cash. And four, religion. There's one other one, which I'm going to add to this. It's more of an amusement. The fifth one, of course, is football. You find people love a club, love every aspect of a club, love football players, pledge allegiance to them, have tattoos of them. And if that club says, we are going to do a thing or we're not going to do a thing, that can affect thousands of people. And it's only in religion that you could find that. Yeah, well, let me just try and summarise what you're saying. So the common denominator, if you like, is a sort of mixture of adrenaline, a churning, a sort of expectation, a coming together of lots of different emotions. It's, it's emotionally charged. What you're talking about is a very physical thing. It's not actually... Visceral. Uh, yeah. And actually, I think for a lot of us, love is, is, is a conceptual thing. It's something we can't explain. It's something we can't touch or... But I'd like to do something about that right now. Yes, listeners, I'm going to try and put a cap on this once and for all. I think you have infatuation. That's the one where you want to jump someone's bones. Well, what's the difference between infatuation and lust? Well, they are the same. They're synonymous in my mind. Unless you can find a delineation between the two. To me, infatuation creates... Or lust either creates... No, I think it's infatuation creates lust. Infatuated with someone, you're not necessarily lusting after them. Well, infatuation quite quite literally translated means you cannot get tired of them. But it might be a platonic thing in terms of, you know, you're infatuated with your teacher. You don't necessarily lust after them with some sort of... Some sort of... Well, it's interesting, isn't it? That's interesting. I think they call that a crush, don't they? You just want to be involved with them in some way even if it's just to be in their outer orbit just to be associated with them is enough mm. it means not getting tired of oh in fact you like fatigue interesting Fat- a okay. french fatigue okay yeah i've never been infatuated with someone Have i you always never? get tired of them do you no. seriously you always get tired of them very quickly no right. yeah i've had crushes but infatuated okay no. let's go back to a crush yeah. you've done this now so i'm spotlighting you when you went back to a crush 
So let's not pick an early crush. Let's pick a more recent crush. Mm. Say one in the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. You're getting the butterfly thing, yeah? Yeah, yeah. I've got him in something, my mind. Something going a little bit down in the hoo-ha and all the rest of it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, Moving on. All right. I'm just trying to get this in the right <laughs> yeah, ballpark. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and when you're with him, you're feeling elated. And I'm guessing that they then do or say or act in some way and it suddenly turns the tap off. Yeah, yeah. Is yeah. that how it works? Mm-hmm. It's called an ick moment. And the ick moment... I remember my You heard friend, it here first. My friend always used to say, if you have three ick moments then uh, that's it forget it uh, mm. so it's like three strikes yeah and an ick moment is like oh yuck or i'm i'm terribly terribly fussy and impatient so it could just be someone making a really crass joke really or wearing the wrong color trousers it's a fine line you've ever heard of the the joke about the buddhist the muslim and the dead baby is it to do with trousers? no i've just made up i just thought that would be the beginning of the most disgustingly <laughs> horrible joke ever <laughs> that's really horrible so they only have to well, how, do, how does salmon trousers do salmon you? trousers are cool I and mean, we we, we oh, already wow. know that you have a great dress sense i guy. don't know you you ask my son and my daughter and neither of them will say that. Go on. So, yeah. So, I think infatuation... Have you ever been infatuated? Oh, many times. But it's been on a, a visceral level. So, I felt compelled. And then I have to use my abilities to control myself to second guess and think, well, why are you doing this? Is it because you want to help them? Is it because you want to do this for them? Or is it because your nether regions are ticking away saying you really want to be close to this person? I mean, this has happened a few years back. This happened le- less since I've been married this time. And we'll talk about that in a minute but I felt with wife number three my dearest love Heather I felt a very very strong pull to be near her point is that I had that feeling for her and that feeling then mutated over time I still love being with her I still I dream about her but it's not a infatuated kind of dream it's not hot and sweaty it's the kind of dream about us walking hand in hand in the French Riviera or the other day it was the two of us hand in hand sitting inside a very huge fish we were still hand in hand Freud would have a lot to say about I'm certain of it putting candles in and out of doors and the point I'm trying to say is always Heather hand in hand with me it was never Heather trying to attack me or the world against me with with and her on the side of the world it Mm. was always me and her against the world and to me that works it sounds great it sounds like you're on an equal level you're standing side by side seeing the world in the same way she brings a sense of comfort to you and that compulsion which is often something a little bit out of control yes. that we're trying to work out where is this coming from as yes. you say what is my intention here is it a good one and how the hell is it going to affect my life because my life was particularly disordered when uh, I met Heather I was going through a transition period my previous wife or wife number two, had left me for a much younger model. And I was in this, almost at the point of repeating history again, which was used to go out with women 10, 15, 20 years younger than me. That was always the marketplace I aimed, I pointed my prow at. Was, and interestingly, that kind of fits the, the generalisation, the sort of um, stereotype that that's what the man goes for. And let's look at that a little bit. What was it about being with a younger woman, aside from the obvious ones, that it's nice to have a trophy, you know, good-looking woman on your arm? Mm. What was behind that, do you think? There might have been the procreative impulse, the, the imperative, if you like. Something very primal. Well, the fact that brain says, 
you are looking for a mate who has got the best chances of conceiving a, a decent heir. That's kind of built in, mm. in a way. Mm. So it might have had a little bit to do with that. I didn't necessarily always go for the prettiest women in the world, but I always used to go for women who are much younger than me. What else? What, what uh, else? So younger? Was there any other typical, like, you know, people say, well, I don't have a type, but was there anything else about them that you They needed? used to be small and petite. Mm-hmm. They didn't used to be particularly curvy I think is the modern parlance they didn't used to be particularly curved they used to be relatively flat-chested if Mm. I can say that and also not large in the booty department which is the diametric opposite to everything about Heather Heather is a earth mother she's curvaceous she's powerful she's all-encompassing and full of power and wonder and amazingness so it sounds like you went from Almost boyish, young, mm. made you potentially feel... Maybe I grew up, who knows? In here, so, yeah, Peter Pan complex. Yeah, I did used to feel like I could go on forever. There's and something about uh, being with someone smaller and younger mm. that gives you maybe a sense of your masculinity. Again, I'm guessing it, here. It might be. Mm. It might be that. But i tell you what, I've managed to come out of myself now far more than I ever did in any previous relationship. What she she's influenced you in some way. Well, she's she's taken the shackles off in many ways. She's allowed me to be whatever the hell I want to be. I now dress the way I always wanted to dress. I used to dress this way when I was just out of school or just in school. And then, as I was with progressive partners, my dress sense became stifled and stayed. And I mean, for instance, describe me as you commonly see me these days, Michelle. Well, I think in my first episode, um, I asked you about that, and you said steampunk was a big influence. Yes. So. Um, Gareth's traditional attire is a smart shirt, normally a tweed waistcoat, he's wearing that now, a sometimes but not always colour-coded tie, bow tie, very specifically bow tie. Do you like this one? It's very good, yeah. I can't see musical notes. It's got musical notes on it, this one, yeah. And now this will be, what's the word, accessorised by uh, a little monocle, maybe, or glasses, little spectacles on it. So it's, it's, it's a very... It's, it's but I, very, I always dress like yeah. But I was not allowed to be this way before. And Heather's allowed me to express myself. Also, musically. Started out life as a professional musician. My uh, second wife wasn't very keen on that. So that died down. Two more relations in between that. Felt it was taking up too much of my time. So I didn't do it very much. And now, allowed to produce music and be musical. So coming back to your one of your exes. This is Heather. This is all Heather. Yes, but coming back to one of your exes, you said the idea of spaceship. (laughs) I think what she's given you is space to be who you really are, who you truly are. And gosh, isn't that what relationship should be about? And I know for myself how much I've tried to compromise and distort myself to fit what I thought were the expectations of a man and finding myself exhausted and uncomfortable and resentful because I tried to fit what was a modern image of the perfect girlfriend and it's really hard to define that now you know we're meant to be independent but we're also meant to be great in the kitchen and in the bedroom we've got to be powerhouses we've got to be career women but we've also got to be great mothers boy you know that's quite a list yeah it's a big list and I think what you're describing is a a sort of letting go of some of those expectations and, and I know you and Heather very well. And my sense is that more and more she's discovering her own sense of self yes. and you're discovering your own sense of self. And you're living, as I said, alongside each other without crowding each other. We still drive each other to the point yeah, of, of, of madness. Of Modern relationships, people give up on them really quickly. 
I mean, we've been together, what, 13, 14 years. We've been married 12 of those years. And I would have thought with some of the humps we've had to get over in our relationship, other relationships would have failed long ago. I think you really... I think this is both of us. Yeah, right? I think you persisted. I know that you attempted couple therapy and I don't really laugh. When you, when you said that, actually, oh, you realised that, so that you were really healthy but compared to everyone else. In yes, the it was terrible. Heather turned around to me halfway through and said, these guys, I don't want to say it, but they're freaks. They, these guys have, have no ability to communicate with each other and we talk about what's going on in our minds every day. And for someone who is neurodiverse, is yes. that the right term? That's some, that's, that's, I mean, that's awesome because I know that, I suppose when I first met you and I talked in the first episode about those ouch moments, you tend to say what you feel. It's uncensored and I think in some ways it's healthy. I know with Gareth that if I need the truth, he'll tell it to me, you know, the spot on the chin or the whatever it might be. I'm not in a way to try and make you I feel know. bad. And it's not intentional. And, and the more I know you, the more I trust it's that that is the case. But I have noticed, and you've noticed for yourself, that your ability to sort of feel empathy or at least go through the motions are, are improving. And well, I I'm, I'm not feeling it naturally, whereas... Uh, I, I think other people, most other people seem to feel and know what to do naturally. With me, I have to kind of remember, this is how you react when you see that going mm, on. Mm. And and I get it right some of the time. Some of the time I get it spectacularly wrong. But you've gone about it in quite a scientific way, typical of you. And I think that's a brilliant way of, you've seen what works and you've almost imitated it or taken it on as a I suppose structure I'm, or I'm model. Faking it till, uh, I'm faking it till I can no, make I it. That's a really but good way. I want to talk about, I want to talk a little bit more about you. Okay. Famously, Frosty here is not married, not tethered. There have been moments where you felt like you were almost there, but you've never quite committed to them or you've pulled out before it got to the point of full commitment. Mm. Can I ask you what it was that stopped you from taking that last leap of faith? Trust is the first word that comes up. Okay, so what was identified brilliantly, I think, by one of the many counselling counsellors that I saw um, in my sort of 40s when I was realising, okay, I'm probably not going to have kids and what's what's going on, was that because I wasn't loved as a child, love was not shown towards me. Well, certainly not demonstrated. No, yeah. exactly. I then decided that I was unlovable. I didn't deserve love. And therefore I attracted men that would reaffirm that and then you kind of fall into this pattern where I'm rejected by someone I then feel alone I must be unlovable I attract people that I don't attract people that don't make me feel loved the closest I got was an actor that I met in a show and it was very romantic how long ago was this I was thinking 10 years now. Okay. Yeah. Are you okay to talk about this? Yeah, okay. yeah, um, because it was a long time ago. What happened was that I essentially, he was a lawyer, brilliant, perfect for me partner, and then he decided that he wanted to become an actor, and I, long story short, helped him apply for different drama schools, and he got in, and the minute he got in, my heart sunk, because of my lack of trust, knowing him to be charismatic, charming actor, I thought, I am going to be really insecure about this so I suppose I said something like why don't you go to drama school let us give each other some space this was my I was terrified I was terrified because I was really this was the closest I got to actually really really feeling but you pushed him away to test it pushed him away because I thought that for self-fulfilling prophecy so I thought he's going to end up with someone there I know I being to drama school myself I know the intimacy of drama school and you do end up getting very close and the exercises encourage that and it breaks you down and it builds you up again and we kind of stayed together but I remember him mentioning this the name of this person 
him again and again and I, I questioned him and he said oh is this somebody you know that I, uh, I, I, I'm in a lot of plays with long story short he ended up marrying this woman I never know whether my intuition was correct and that I wasn't that's an odd one isn't it yeah but I remember him proposing to me and I got jumped on the bus and he was going marry me and I got and I literally got on the bus so I am I am in awe, Gareth, of those. Do you regret that? I always wonder what would have happened if I was brave enough to just go, yes. I always do. And we have met since. Did you ever talk about this? Yes, yes. And did we, you, you say. Know, the what if. The what did, if. Did, did you say to him, were you ready? Is that what you have committed? Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was. I still felt very young. I think it's taken me a long time to How mature. old were you then? I felt very young. I was probably. Early 40s, late 30s. Late 30s, yeah, early 30s. 30s. I felt very young in my 30s as well. Mm-hmm. I, it wasn't until know, I was met Heather that I felt like I started growing up. Yeah, I think because my parents gave me very little guidance in terms of, they didn't know, you know, what do I really believe in? What do I really want? Mm. My career, all mm. of that. I felt unformed and I felt unformed. Do you know what I mean by that? Yes. Very like, who am I, my identity? So I think unless you know that, who, how can you possibly attract the right people? Well, you, you can know, attract people, but not necessarily the right ones. I'm giving off confusing messages. You know, yes, and, and no one can really know how to deal with me. So, what would you care, what would you say was love? We were talking about how I perceive it. How about you? Let's say the love between you and a, and a man. What would you say that characterised by? Is that the flutters in the stomach and all that, or is that infatuation? Of course, it, it, and it has always begun with that. It's interesting because I was saying to a friend the other day, I'd like to try it the other way around when you start with a friend and then see if the attraction comes. Tried a couple of times, it's not really working. I think how long did you to... give it before you decided it wasn't really working? Because I know that in my case, one of my biggest loves came from a friendship that turned into a love. Mm. I didn't give it that long, but I think I knew deep down that this person wasn't right. I mean, the, the friendship wasn't that strong. I think you... for it to work, if you're going to start on that basis, the friendship has to be pretty much on the money. I think so, absolutely. Because if the friendship's insecure and then you launch into this other thing, which already adds another level of insecurity, you know, what are they thinking? Are they thinking of these and the rest of it? Oh, few, quite a few ick moments, Gareth. There were quite a few ick moments. Love, for me, is something... Come on, you can do this. I don't really like being in love, and I think some people say no, it's not... No, it a... quite literally makes me sick. So, absolutely. There's a sort of addiction feeling about it. It's being... But I think on the healthy side is you see, and I'm going to use this word, a sort of divinity in that other person. For me, it's like mm. seeing something really special, and, and they're reflecting back that in you. So when love is at its strongest, you're reflecting back the best in each other. You're... I remember when we first met, I'm sorry to take you back that way, but you were seeing a gentleman at the time and the way you were describing it to me was it was all fairly one-sided. Mm. He was doing just about enough to keep you interested, but when it came down to it, he wasn't really wanting to know much about you. Mm. He just wanted you to know more about him. Mm. Mm. Do you know what Absolutely. I mean? Yeah, totally one-sided and I've been very good at that being the... Yeah, person. but you were, hats off to you, at least you were spotting it early on. I mean, this is very early doors. This was within the a few weeks mm. it wasn't like you had spun it out for months and months or years and years no I've got better but I've that. known people who've spun this sort of thing out for years and then they turn around and say I'm only there because he needs someone to iron the sheets it was my narcissism radar I have attracted narcissists because my mother was one and so it's felt very familiar and my narcissist radar is really well tuned so I think that is something that's brought to the surface recently is what is it about that to sort of feel that you're serving someone rescuing someone you put them on a pedestal I love that expression take them off the pedestal because it's weird putting someone on a pedestal 
not just that, but when you are on a pedestal, you can look straight up their underskirts. <laughs> yeah. And usually what you find under there ain't that pretty. No. And I think being put on a pedestal also feels weird because you're kind of like, can you just take me off this pedestal because you're acting really weird towards me? I think there's different kinds of love is what I would say. And there's the, you know, the, right. the, the kind of unearthly love, the, the love for humanity, this sort of sense of compassion that's all associated with love, just wanting the best for for someone and there's a love of a human being and the intimate love yeah but i want the best for roxy the dog that we have here i wouldn't call it that i'm in love with her no so the intimate love is what i'm talking about i think ah, is right. the hardest for one person you choose to be in love with one person what about the people who call themselves polyamorous who choose to be in love with several people that's a cop-out because <laughs> i think the biggest test of loving one person committing to one person is saying i will love you whatever all your faults and all your flaws i will love you warts and all and i don't think we can ever define the word love but i think it's what you do and how you behave towards someone and the feeling that you bring out in each other that somehow demonstrate i am in awe of your current marriage gareth because i think what you have that grand gesture that i would like you to describe is something that i think is a role model in a time when there's so much choice you know dating sites there's sure, a sense sure. of we could be with anyone well then you know. full disclosure yeah. i met heather on a dating site called plenty of fish at the time i don't know if it still exists in the same manner now but it was one of the only dating sites where neither side had to pay any money to be in contact with each other in fact i'm not entirely sure exactly how they made their revenue but they seem to be doing all right now heather used to joke that i didn't even have to pay for her but the point was when we met I was actually really at a very bad point and I was just looking for physical love. I didn't want any more than that. And I thought I'd found, yes, another shag partner. And that's what it was. And we met. Within one date, she converted me. So I kept coming back to the honeypot for more. However, there was something wrong with me. Still is, I suppose. But at the time, I felt that one just wasn't enough. Are you referring to your neurodiversity or not? No, I'm talking about the fact that I just felt I wanted more women. That I'd been staffed before. I must have them all. So and it might be sex addiction they call about it sometimes. Well, I, don't think, I no. don't think it was a sex addiction because I don't feel that way now. No. At the time, it was just, I think, in a way of me sticking two fingers up at my previous partner and saying, see, all these women want me. So the ego getting into Yes. Thing. Yeah, yeah absolutely eager. And I was caught out. There was a time where I needed to make a grand gesture. I need to do something uh, to try and win her back because... And ladies and gentlemen, this was very early doors. Heather had completely caught me out. She'd found my phone, uh, which I happened to leave open on a certain page. She'd seen that I'd been in contact with people. She'd followed them up. She even spoke to some of the women, multiple women. Wow, this was a woman on a mission. Impressive. Um, she's proper. Mm. Anyway, she actually contacted them, not to tell them off, but just to say, I'm really sorry, but you need to know that Gareth is in a committed relationship. What is going on here? And these little girls didn't know that I was seeing other people because I was playing a six-horse race. It was exhausting, frankly. And I'm, to any of you who are thinking of having multiple uh, dalliances, I would just say, don't, it's so tiring. And not only that, but you keep forgetting what lies you've told and everything becomes confused. And eventually you're going to end up having nothing. It'll be like sand in your mouth. But anyway, moving on. I'd gotten to this point whereby I'd been caught and I was faced with coming home and seeing Heather sitting there wanting to talk to me very quietly, very measured and saying, you're about to screw up the best thing you ever had. 
you need to make a absolute decision in your mind I've got shivers down the spine as whether you want to continue or not or we call it now I pick up anything I've left here this was at my house so everything I've left here and I will never speak to you or see you again and how did you feel I needed to make a decision I don't get the feelings that other people have panic mm. and things mm. I realized that I needed to make an intelligence based intelligence led decision mm. I'd been watching this is going to sound like a non sequitur, but it promise you, stick with me, guys. I'd been watching this program called Lie to Me, and it was a series starring Tim Roth about a person who was an expert in micro-expressions and uh, was employed by governments and so on. American. Within it, there was a character in his team who cheated on his wife, and he realised that the only way he was going to secure her confidence was if he did something which he came up with the term and i stolen it from him called radical honesty radical honesty is and this is going to be a little bit scary for people is you open up everything everything for inspection everything from passwords to notes to diaries everything hopes dreams the whole damn lot i've seen you do it guys you receive a text and then you literally read it to heather in the moment or everything that's gone on between us or anyone else, Heather knows. Before that point, I couldn't have female friends. I hadn't been able to have female friends when I had previous partners because of jealousy or potential jealousy. I now have four or five very strong, close friendship with females, Frost being one of them, probably the closest one, actually. And there's no issue here. Michelle and I can go and spend an evening sitting by the riverbank. Once I'd done this, once I got beyond the initial shock, I've never felt more at peace. And, you know, I, I remember you telling me this and feeling really in awe. And I think anyone listening to this, what that actually demands of a couple to be totally honest and open up all channels of communication, having nothing private, nothing secret. How can that not lead to a strong foundation for a relationship? And I came across this term in the world of Tantra, actually, which is all about being present with someone in the moment, and this term conscious communication. And I think, for me, how we can survive relationships is to be, one, truly ourselves, really say what we think and feel in any one moment, and however difficult that might be, it seems to me it seems to me brave and courageous and takes away some of the doubt and fear that we have around committing to someone and caring for someone. I mean, I do want that for you. I, more than anything else in the world, I want it so that you can feel capable. But I think in many ways, perhaps, because you've been bitten a few times when you thought you weren't going to be, that perhaps you've kind of almost made it a fait accompli. Yeah, and I've armed myself with so much ammunition uh, around my... I think of it like, you know, the breastbone and I've got this shield. This, mm. and it's, it's getting ebbed away at, eroded, if you like, but yeah. it's... For me, it's about self-preservation, protecting myself. I feel I am relationship-ready, as someone said. So let's see. Who knows? Within this series, who knows what might happen? This has been The Essential Guide to Surviving Humanity with Michelle Frost and Gareth Wax. Mm -hmm.